you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Network. Welcome to episode 54 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now, let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith today. Thank you so much for praying for me and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall of the Fourth Watch Radio Network and for my family as well. Today in episode 54, we're jumping back into my series on the Beatitudes. And today we're looking at the fourth Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Well, recently I started a Patreon account because Over the last two years that I've been podcasting, folks have asked me how they can contribute to this ministry. And so I've decided to start this Patreon account uh, where you can give. And for $5 or more a month, what you're going to receive are two videos each month in addition to the podcast, of course, but two videos. One is uh, an introduction to either an early Christian writer or an early Christian document. For example, the first uh, video that I put out is on the Didache, which is one of the earliest Christian documents that demonstrates how the earliest disciples of the apostles continued to live and teach the simple words of Christ. And it deals with two ways that we can live. We can either live in the way of life or the way of death. It is a fantastic book. And I want to encourage you, if, if this uh, podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to get into more of the early Christian documents and early Christian writers, to become a, a Patreon. And uh, in addition to that, I'll also give a, a second video every month of an acoustic version of one of the songs that I've written. For instance, for this month, uh, it's an acoustic version of a song called You and Me that I wrote, uh, which is on my newest EP called the Love and War EP. It's the first song on there. So if you want to see a stripped down acoustic video of, uh, of that song, please consider being a Patreon. I'm going to do that every month. And in fact, I've got this plan for two years with the earliest Christian writings. Uh, so they're going to be 24 videos at least going pretty much chronologically. Uh, and um, I think it'll be a blessing to you. It's definitely been, this study has definitely been a blessing to me. And you can find that at patreon.com slash Baker, or you can go to my website, philsbaker.com, and you'll also be able to find a link to my uh, Patreon there. So please consider checking that out. As I said, also, I've got an, a new EP called the Love and War EP, um, which you can find on, on uh, iTunes or Amazon or CD Baby, Spotify. And if that's a blessing to you, please consider leaving a rating and review. Also in 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. And I've been giving audio versions of each chapter over the last couple of years. And I think I'm in chapter 12 now. I think that was the last episode. And if that book has been a blessing to you, please consider leaving a rating and review. 
at Amazon where most people are buying it. Uh, that would be a big blessing to me. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. If you have any questions about what we talk about on uh, Reclaiming the Faith or on Omega Frequency or what Justin does, please uh, feel free to email us. Uh, you can either email me at email philsbaker at gmail.com, or you can find BDK's email uh, at omegafrequency.com. Send us an email and uh, ask the question there. Try to do it in a concise way if possible, and uh, we'll be sure to answer that each month on Ready With an Answer. Finally, the early Christian quotes that I use can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can find for a mere $5 at the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. Okay, well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get episode 54 rolling. Well, in 2004, I went to Swaziland on a mission trip, Swaziland, Africa, and one of the pieces of advice the trip leader gave us is to not eat in front of the native Saswatis uh, that we were going to speak to at their high schools because many of them had not eaten for a while and we didn't want to make them envious or make them bitter toward us. And for the most part, I I obeyed that rule until the, uh, the second to last school that we were at. Um, I found that someone were make someone was making these things called bolos fritos, which are like little fried balls of dough, and they were just incredible. Kind of like donuts, kind of like uh, I mean, they were just kind of like a little slice of heaven, you know. Um, I was like, manna, you know, what what is this goodness? What is this goodness? And so they were making them. Uh, outside of the school. And during one of our breaks, I went and I purchased two handfuls of bolos fritos. <laughs> it cost very little money. And I was, I was kind of hungry. And so I got these. And what I didn't realize is that some of the students had kind of followed me. And as I turned around from purchasing those bolos fritos, there was a group of them huddled around and some of them knew some English, and so I began to, to speak with them a little bit. Remember, I have two fists full of these little fried dough balls, and I wasn't even thinking, and I, I began to, to eat in front of them, and just then, one of the girls who was there, she's maybe 15, 16 years old, looked at me and said, I haven't eaten in three days, and that's when it hit me. I had made a horrible horrible mistake. But they also told us, don't give food to them unless you can provide for everyone. Um, it's very important if you give to make sure everyone receives. And so I just looked at her and said, I'm so sorry. And then I walked away. It, it was a terrible, terrible moment in my life, something I really regret. And it brought to my mind something that I did not really understand about myself. You know, I thought I was hungry and that's why I was going to get those um, bolos fritos, but I really didn't know hunger. 
And I still, today, I, I don't think I really understand what it means to be hungry, even though I've, I've gone on you know, week-long fasts, uh, just about each year I'll do one, and I still don't think I really understand hunger. And so this beatitude is, is really difficult for me to grasp um, because I don't really know hunger like the majority of people in the world know it. But it, it's true nonetheless. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the fourth beatitude, and all of these play on each other as I've demonstrated uh, in previous episodes. But today I wanna look at what this means. What does it mean to hunger? What does it mean to thirst? Well, this is not just like we would say, I'm so hungry, or people in America will go, oh, I'm starving. You know, I've said that, my kids say it. You know, it's, it's not true. You know, we've got a little bit of hunger, a little bit of a growl. You might hear that <laughs> from time to time in my episodes as my stomach tends to do that from, from time to time. But, uh, you know, it's not really hungering. This is deep, earnest, passionate hunger and thirst where like the deer pants for streams of water. So our souls thirst for God, for the living God. It's this deep, intense longing to find satisfaction. And the promise is that they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst though for righteousness. And righteousness is defined as what God says is right. The things that God says, this is right. That is righteousness in one sense. This is not so much talking about the imputed righteousness that we receive from Jesus, but it's more talking about the right, what is right in God's eyes. And there's an early Christian writer named Justin Martyr who wrote about this aspect of righteousness in one of his apologies, I think is actually a, a dialogue with Trypho, uh, a Jew, so it, it's an apologetic and polemic work um, also, but it's not one of his official apologies. He says this concerning this beatitude. I think that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, spoke well when he summed up all righteousness and piety in two commandments. They are these, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. For the man who loves God with all the heart and with all the strength, being filled with a God-fearing mind, will reverence no other God. And the man who loves his neighbor as himself will wish for him the same good things that he wishes for himself. And no man will wish evil things for himself. Accordingly, he who loves his neighbor would pray and labor that his neighbor may be possessed of the same benefits as himself. Now, nothing else is neighbor to man than that similarly affectioned and reasonable being, man. Therefore, since all righteousness is divided into two branches, namely, insofar as it regards God and man, whoever, says the scripture, loves the Lord God with all the heart and all the strength and his neighbor as himself would be truly a righteous 
man. And so this, this quotation from Justin demonstrates what righteousness looks like because that is what God approves. And of course, it's the two greatest commandments, really loving God with all one's heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then as a result of that, loving one's neighbor as himself, all the commandments hang on these two. And we see a very clear description of these two commandments and this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And this story is so incredible. It is put in all four gospels. It plays a major role. And unfortunately, we don't have time to really plumb the depths of this passage today. But it's just something to consider that neither Mark nor John really deal with the birth of Jesus. So the birth of Jesus is really only dealt with in uh, detail in two of the Gospels, and yet all four of the Gospels deal with this passage of feeding the 5,000. This is a very, very important passage that I'd encourage you to study on your own. But today, let's, let's dive in and see what it has for us. So this is John chapter six, and we're going to start in verse three. It says, then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. And we'll stop there. The Passover is very significant this time. So this is the time where the, they would celebrate Israel being delivered out of of the clutches of Pharaoh. And of course, the last plague, the Passover, uh, dealt with a good Jew taking a spotless lamb for his family, killing that lamb, putting the blood of the lamb over his doorposts, and then the angel of death would pass over so that the firstborn son would not be killed. And of course, uh, as we know, Paul writes that Jesus is our Passover. And so this Passover has much to do with death of one for the sake of many. So keep that in mind as we go through it. Again, going to, to back to John 6, verse 5. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these may eat? Now, this was Jesus saying this to test him, for Jesus himself knew what he was intending, intending to do. And Philip said to him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive even a little. Then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Now, I'm going to pause here. The barley season coincided with the Passover season in that first month of the year. And the barley harvest is intimately connected with the Feast of First Fruits. Jesus, of course, died on the day of Passover and was raised on the day of First Fruits, which is connected to the barley harvest. And so pay attention, and you're going to see both the Passover hinted at and First Fruits hinted at. The death of of one for the many and a resurrection that takes place in a sense as a result of that death, Passover and first fruits. So let's get back into it. 
Now there is a lad here, Andrew says, who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, Truly, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Of course, that is a quote from Deuteronomy, which Moses said, there will be a prophet like me who will come and anybody who doesn't listen to him will be cut off from his people. Something that Peter uh, emphasizes, a passage that Peter emphasizes, I believe in Acts chapter three. This is a very important moment. And I believe it's one of the main reasons why um, this, this story this true story is told in all four gospels because it demonstrates that the fulfillment of the prophecy from Deuteronomy that Jesus is greater than Moses. He is that prophet who was to come, the ultimate prophet of all prophets, the man, Christ Jesus. But let's go back. So we have this this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This little boy wanted so desperately to please the Lord. He was hungering and thirsting to do what was right in God's sight. And Passover is about a young lamb giving its life in a sense for the community. This little boy gives not some of his lunch, but all of it. And most likely it's not just for him, but for him and his brothers and sisters as well. But he doesn't give some, he gives all. He lays it all down, accepting that he will not eat. And yet, what does Jesus do with it? Because he was willing to give all Jesus fills all. All were filled because of this boy. And so you see both Passover and you see first fruits. You see death in a sense and a resurrection in a sense. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. You know, sometimes it's really hard to not chase the things of this world so that we can be blessed by God because the things of this world are screaming at us, preaching their gospel to us, a false gospel to us, that they will fill us, that we were made for this world when in reality we were made for God. We are restless until we find our rest in God, as it's said. Jesus in John chapter 4 deals uh, with a woman who is at a crossroads in a sense. 
She is a woman who claims to know God. She's a Samaritan woman. She claims to worship the one true God, yet she's doing it in a number of false ways. And one of those Jesus points out to her is that she does have a worship issue. She's worshiping something of this world, though. She's worshiping security. And that is being demonstrated in the fact that she goes from husband to husband to husband to husband. And the man that she is with currently is not even her husband. He lays all that out for her. And it wakes her up. It wakes her up. She realizes that this man knows everything about me. And yet he's still offering me goodness. He's still offering me eternal life. He tells her to come and drink from the well that he has, where she will never thirst again. He's calling her to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and she would be filled to hunger and thirst for God and what God approves of. And as the woman goes off to tell her whole village about the one who who told her everything she ever did, as she goes off to witness Jesus's disciples come up to to Jesus and they urge him saying, Rabbi, eat. See, they know that he's hungry in one sense. That's why he stopped because they were were tired from their journey to Samaria and they're urging him, Rabbi, eat. But he says to them, and this is in John chapter four, verse 32. He says to them, I have food to eat that you eat know nothing about. So his disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything, like no one brought anything for him to eat. Like who, was he hiding, hiding rolls in his, in his garment? Like what, what's going on, man? Jesus is sneaking bread around us, man. Why is this guy being selfish? It's kind of a funny, kind of a funny scene where you think about it. They're accusing him of hoarding, hoarding food or someone working for him without telling them, you know, like someone bringing him food on the side. But he stops them and he says in verse 34, hey, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus is saying, basically like he does in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 in the temptations, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so my food, what I live by, what I'm sustained by, what I'm filled by is by doing the work of him who sent me. And then he specifically outlines for us, he details for us, what that work is. He says it to the apostles. He says, behold, I say to you, or sorry, in verse 35, do you not say, hey, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. And it's interesting, he's saying to to them around barley season, he's like, yeah, the harvest is here. The barley harvest is Here, look at the fields. They are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you 
have entered into their labor. He's saying, guys, the reason why I'm here is to bring people into the kingdom, is to gather the wheat for harvest. It is to make disciples. And that's why you're here too, disciples of Jesus. You are here to be disciple makers. It's a very simple point that Jesus is making. If you feel empty, if you feel purposeless, are you truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Because if you are, then you will be filled. It's interesting how, you know, when we go on mission trips, we often have this, or when we do mission work, we have this sensation, man, I felt so alive. I felt so filled. When we're going out evangelizing, when we're going out and spreading the gospel, when we're going out and intentionally living for God, we have this sense of, man, we feel so alive. We feel so full. We feel like that's exactly what we were made to do. And then we go back to our regular lives and we start feeling empty again, even though we're entertained, even though we're comfortable, even though we have like this, this small sense of satisfaction, like you're, you're hungry and instead of eating a normal dinner, you eat a whole package of Pringles. You know, all those carbs, right? They're going to make you feel full for a little bit. And then in such a short time, you feel hungry again. It's, it's the trick of this world. It's materialism. It's worldliness. It's fake filling. It's fake. If you want to feel full for real, if you want that heavenly sense of fulfillment, you're called to be a disciple maker. You are called first to follow, to be a disciple. You're, you're first called to follow Jesus, to really seek him, and then help others do the same, to follow and seek him as well. If you haven't been doing that, I want to encourage you to do that. You were made to be a disciple maker. That is righteousness. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Just like that little boy in John 6, he gave it all for Jesus, but he got back way more than he gave. God bless you. You said go, just seek me and you'll find. And when you're low, Look to the night sky I've come so far You're faithful to your word It pricks my heart Your whisper, it heals and
mountains were shaking Right then I knew I must be mistaken Set on what gives it shape. I don't 